Good afternoon, good afternoon. Good afternoon and happy Friday to you. Friday, September 10th, 2021. Welcome, I pray that you are having a wonderful, blessed Friday wherever you may be. And I thank you. It is such an honor and such a privilege to have you joining us. Uh, those who are joining us right now live on our website, hispresence.church. You can go there at any time. We have previous videos and podcasts and sermons, everything up. And we are live right now there. Vimeo, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram as well as we have a, another little feed over here. With that, so we just welcome those of you who are live, and we welcome those of you who are listening via podcast once this is uploaded. We're blessed, truly humbled, and truly honored for you to join us, to give us a little bit of your time on a Friday afternoon, midday, middle of the day, the end of the week. We believe that this is a dose of life, an encouragement to you that you could keep going another day, that you're strengthened, that inside something clicks by the word and the power of the living God, that you will step into deeper purpose, deeper realms of living with the King, the King of glory. We are tremendously honored to be here as every Friday to open up the living word of God. What a privilege he has given us. <clears throat> don't take it lightly that he has given me the honor has placed the call upon my life to preach his gospel to people just like you who are listening and join us so we are humbled and grateful as a family as we are a family <clears throat> who is called of the lord and we're grateful for that so welcome this friday and we are in the weekend that we are celebrating, or not celebrating, excuse me, wrong terminology. That we're remembering the 20-year anniversary of 9-11-2001. And in this day and in this hour, the enemy, <clears throat> in his various ways and forms, is attacking the freedoms that you and I, the liberties that you and I, have for so long lived for, walked in, partaken of. And so I just want to encourage us as we remember those who gave their lives, those frontline workers, the individuals who knew not, not anything that was coming, that were working. I remember exactly where I was the day it happened. And how everything changed all across the world because of it. But those who gave their lives as freedom was attacked that day. And today it is under great attack. And for you and I, for those who are listening who may be believers in Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you to stand for freedom. Why, you say? Because Jesus came that you and I might be free from the clutches of the enemy. I just am reminded of a verse 
right now. I'm going to jump over here and read it out of Galatians. Let me get here. Galatians chapter 5. He says, Paul writes this, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty, the freedom, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. Christ came to free us from the bondage that we had walking in the course of this world that the enemy was attempting to bind us with and to lock us down with. Christ purchased our freedom. And because of that, Paul writes, live in that freedom. He says, stand fast in it. This word to stand fast means to hold tightly to, to never let go of. Hold fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. And do not, listen to what he says, be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. Do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. So as we remember our freedoms being attacked 20 years ago, tomorrow, this weekend, let us realize that our freedoms today the enemy is looking to bring the entire world under the bondage of his tyranny and his terror and fear. And Christ, Paul writes, stand fast, hold tightly to liberty, hold tightly to freedom, and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Let your life be established and stake upon the freedom that Christ has given you. We must fight and stand for what Jesus has purchased for us. And it is a life that is free from the entanglements of the enemy. And for decades, the enemy has worked overtime to entangle our free society in his web of bondage. Removing prayer from school. Removing the reciting of the Pledge of Allegiance from many places. The legalizing of abortion. The, uh, and, and on and on, it has been this onslaught inside of churches, in outside of churches, what has been placed upon television and radio, what we have been programmed with, there has been an assault upon what Christ has done. And you and I must recognize it. There has been an assault. You've heard me say it over and over again upon this book, which we call the Bible, the word of God. There has been an assault upon it to get us out of it, away from it, 
to not read it an all-out assault upon us. An assault to get us to want to be comfortable. An assault to get us to be addicted to entertainment. Why? Because if we're addicted to entertainment, if we are more consumed with comfort than anything else, we won't pick this book up because entertainment will do for us what we think is enough. And when we have our dose and we need more, we'll just go back for more. And yet all over the scriptures from Genesis through Revelation, we are led to this place where we're taught that all sufficiency, everything that satisfies, is found in him and in him alone. So I just encourage us, as we remember, stand for freedom. That is what the United States of America was founded upon. Yes, we have a colorful history. Colorful history that has problems and issues and things in it but you point to me one family that has worked through and they may be beautiful and wonderful today that has not had issues you point to me one family that does not have things that they fight through in order to be the best version of themselves that they can be but the fact still remains that our nation was founded for the sake of freedom, freedom to exalt the Lord we loved, freedom to love him, freedom to worship him, freedom to adore him. And yes, the enemy entered in and there were people being brought into bondage, into slavery, beginning with Native Americans and on and on. We, we could get into all of that. But that is not what we should focus on. And, and why? Because to focus on the previous bondage will lead us back into bondage. Yes, we remember our history that we never do it. But let's focus on why we were established. We were established for the sake of freedom. To worship our King. To worship our Lord. To worship our Savior. And we must do that in this day and in the days that are ahead of us. Well, as we uh, jump into Psalm 15 today, I, I wanted to, in that vein of thought where we were, I, I just wanted to mention one passage of Scripture <clears throat> as we proceed over, if we get there, praise the Lord. Psalm chapter 15, yes, but... 2 Timothy chapter 3. As our freedoms and I'm fully aware that on certain social media outlets and platforms they don't want you to talk this way. But it really doesn't matter for we must stand for freedom. There are mandates <clears throat> being a, being given mandates 
that are being asked of us to follow. And in that, I don't want us to forget that the Lord has mandates for us to follow as well. If you remember last week in John 14, verse 15, I read to you. Jesus' words, not mine. If you love me, then obey me. It's a mandate. Not a suggestion. Not a maybe. It is the proof positive that, Lord, you have my life. That, Lord, you truly have my heart. That, Lord, you truly have my affections. Because I obey you out of my love for you. Timothy, or excuse me, Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. He tells him this after he warns him about the last days. He tells him that perilous times will come. In verse 2, he says, For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money. And yet Jesus said, If you love me. He says, Men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Verse 5, having a form of godliness but denying its power. He says, and from such people turn away. For of this sort are those who creep into households and make captive of gullible women loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts. Verse 7, always learning and never able to come into the knowledge of the truth. It's the statement I made, I believe, in the last week midday meditation on making of disciples. If I ask many believers, what is a disciple? They will immediately say a learner they would not necessarily be wrong it just would not be complete the word disciple is the greek word mathetes and it does mean learner and yet that word mathetes has a root word the word math where we get our word from mathematics that word means thought accompanied by endeavor. When Jesus told his, called his disciples Mathetes, he was not saying that they simply sat around, Googled the latest information that they wanted, that they went on some show, what, whatever, and gain information. No, this word means 
a learner who has every intent of putting into action the things he or she has learned. A disciple is one who learns for the sake of living. A disciple is one who will live what they learn. And he says, in the last days, Paul writes, men, mankind will ever be learning, never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. At their fingertips, having the resources of information from across the globe, you and I right now have access to more information than many have ever had in their lifetime. Many were able to gather in their lifetime. We have at the, our fingertips disposal. It's great on one hand, and yet on the other hand, it makes us feel as though we have accomplished something and know something that we, we really do not know. We have a fat head from information, but we don't have a fat life from living what we've gathered. He goes on and says, Now Jannies and Jambres resisted Moses. So there are also, they also these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt mind. Constant learning has caused you to come against the truth. More information, more information filling, but I'm unable to step into the life of living truth. If you remember, Jesus said, when he is come, who is he? The other comforter, another comforter, he calls him, Holy Spirit. He says he will guide you into all the truth. Our much information has made us feel self-sufficient and feel as though we don't need Holy Spirit. We don't need Jesus. We don't need the Father. We can get along in life without them. This is what happened to in this day. He says, they resisted the truth. He says, Jesus says, the Holy Spirit will guide you into all the truth. Truth is a person. His name is Jesus Christ. I am, he says. I am, John 14, I believe, verse 6. I am the truth. The definite article, the, meaning there is no higher truth than him. There are a portions of truth. He says, I am the truth. I am the truth, the life, the way. I am truth. Truth is a person. I am life. Life comes from a poor person. And I am the way. He is the way of life that leads to the Father, the only way. They resisted truth, men of corrupt minds, disapprove concerning the faith. But look at what he says. Men like this, he says, verse 9, they will progress no further. 
for their folly will be manifest to all as theirs also was. But you have carefully followed my doctrine, he tells Timothy, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance. Verse 11. You followed everything, including, verse 11, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra. What persecutions, he writes, I endured. He says, and out of them all, the Lord delivered me. Here's the verse, verse 12. It's the mandate of the Lord, along with the rest of this verse. The chapter, I mean, excuse me. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. The mandate is this. The Lord wants us to live his way. He wants us to live according to his precepts, his life, his plans. Godly, in other words, godliness. That's his mandate. But it's your choice to choose it or not. If you love me, you'll obey me. There's a life I have prescribed for you. And in this day and in this hour, where the love of many has grown cold, he's called us to live a life of love. He's called us when people's hearts around us have grown hard. He's called us to live with tenderness of heart. When many are lacking character and integrity, he's called and mandated us to live with great character and integrity. When many are living to serve themselves, He's calling us and mandating us to live in the service of others. When many are attempting to take hold and preserve their own lives, he's calling and mandating for us in this day and in this hour to lay down our lives for him. He tells us, Matthew 16, if any desires to save his life, he will lose it. But any who desire to lose his life for my sake and the gospel will find it. Take up your cross, he says, daily and follow me. The mandate of the Lord. This calling of the Lord, in spite of what is going on around us, he's called us to live one way, his way, godly, holy, pure, full of love, full of a desire for freedom, full of hope 
in a society where there is hopelessness abounding in many, you are the ones who present hope everywhere that you go. We are. When fear is ravaging many in society, we are to be the ones that are full of faith. When people are living for the comfort and the fulfilling and the lust of the flesh, we're to live in holiness of heart, mind, and body. The mandate of the Lord. It is why we have been talking about this for so long. There is and must be a revolution of holiness that abounds in our society again, even in the midst of what we think may be darkness and even in the midst of things happening we have never seen in our life. And you say, Pastor Tate, why would you or how could you say such a thing? Because the Lord is returning for a pure and spotless bride. A bride that is living for one. Jesus himself. You, you know, a natural bride-to-be as she is preparing for the day where she comes before witnesses and the officiant and her groom. She has one thing upon her mind. Ready in herself for that day that they become one in the consummation of their marriage. One thing consumes her. It is what the Lord is desiring from what we call his church. Is for us to be consumed with one thing. Being ready for him. It's the question you and I must ask. Are we ready for him? Are we living ready for him? It's the picture of the virgins. The book of Matthew. The story of the five foolish and the five wise. The five wise lived ready for the arrival of the bridegroom. See, in that day and in that time, when the bridegroom was coming to take his bride, there would be a week-long feast, and they would celebrate awaiting the day he would come. And he would come, and there would be a shout that went forth. There would be music played, a trumpet blast to say that the bridegroom is close to come and take his bride. And his bride would be waiting for him and making sure that all the attendance and everything else was ready. The five foolish became weary from their waiting. 
They said he delays his coming. And so they felt that they could take time off from their living in the place of ready. They decided to go and rest because they had been making themselves ready for so long, but he delayed. But then suddenly, the trumpet sounded and the commotion was made that the bridegroom approached. And the five wise trimmed their lamps because they were ready and they had oil. The picture of the Holy Spirit in your life and ever living in him, by him, through him, and with him, for him. But the five foolish, they wanted to take ease. They wanted to comfort their flesh. They wanted to be satisfied and taken care of by the things of this life. They had not been attending to the Spirit of God. They, weren't not read, they were not ready. And we know the story. They asked the five wise, give us some of your oil. And the five wise said, if we do that, we might not have enough for when he comes. Go, they said, and buy some from those who sell it. And as they went to try to ready themselves, he came. And opened the door, let those who were ready in, and then closed it. And when the five foolish wanted to return, the door was closed because they were not living ready. So are you, are we, am I living from this place in this hour where I'm ready for him? And he's looking for a bride, pure without spot or wrinkle or defect. Pure. Are you living ready? Or are you living for self? Psalm 15. Fifteen more minutes or so. The one who abides in the presence of the Lord. This is what we have been talking about. I want to read this passage again. It's only five verses. I'll read it in the New Living Translation. Who may worship in your sanctuary, Lord? Who may enter your presence on your holy hill? Verse 2. Those who lead, listen to this, blameless lives and do what is right, speaking the truth. From sincere heart. Someone says, how can I live a blameless life? Someone will always, there will be someone who I haven't even wronged them necessarily. Or they've misinterpreted my heart. Yes, it is true. It will. They blame Jesus. Because Jesus didn't live for the culture. He didn't live for fame. He didn't live for the recognition. He didn't live for the approval of Caesar or the Romans like the religious elite, religious elite of the day did. So they blamed him. They looked for everything 
So much so even blaming him for how he was brought into the earth. We were not born of fornication, they said. Because they didn't understand that it was the Holy Spirit that came upon Mary. But they tried to say that Mary was a loose woman and slept with someone else other than Joseph whom she was betrothed to. There will always be someone who blame, attempts to blame and tries to find fault. They will look into your past before Christ and try to find something. But he says you live a blameless life before the Lord and all of heaven. You live to please one. You live for an audience of one and live your life that way. And if you wrong any, you, you go to them immediately and make it right. I live blameless. Whether others understand it or not, whether others falsely accuse me, let their accusations be without merit or without power. Speaking the truth from sincere hearts. Oh, how difficult that is at times for us. Oh, how long, how difficult it has been for me most of my life. Learning how to come o get over my own rejection issues. The own desires to have people accept me and want me and desire to be around me. That I might come to a place of speaking the truth from a heart that's sincere. It's pure. I don't, I have no other agenda, no ulterior motives to speaking the truth. That is speaking the truth from a sincere heart. I'm not saying what I'm saying to procure favor from you. It may be true what I'm saying, but I have no need to tell you this truth. But I'm telling it to you that I might procure some type of favor from you or take the favor you extend to someone else away from them and bring it to me. Speaking the truth from sincere hearts. Those, listen to this, who refuse to gossip. The reason I read these out of uh, different translation is it because it, it, it helps us fully understand. Those who refuse to gossip or harm their neighbors or speak evil of their friends, those who despise flagrant sinners. We don't just laugh at them and think they're funny. Those who despise flagrant sinners and honor the faithful followers of the Lord and keep their promises even when it hurts. Ugh. Those who lend money without charging interest and who cannot Listen to this. Those who cannot be bribed to lie about the innocence, such people will stand forever. We've talked about this word abide and what it means to dwell, dwell with, remain, inhabit. We talked about tabernacle, the dwelling, home, habitation. Who's able to abide with him forever? The first one, verse 2 first characteristic was he who walks uprightly. We, we talked about that. Walking uprightly, it, it means an integrity, whole, entire, sound. I love this one. It's, it means healthful, unimpaired, 
innocence. The one who walks in integrity, uprightly, is full of health. They're unimpaired. We understand that. Impaired judgment. It could be illegal drugs. It could be legal drugs. I, I told a story weeks ago of how my grandmother, uh, she was given a, a medication by her, her doctor. I forget what for. It was so long ago. But this medication said on the bottle, and she did not read the directions. Do not operate motor vehicles, motorized vehicles, after taking this. And Sunday morning, she was going to church, and she took her medication, but she, she, she didn't read the instructions. And on her way, uh, I think it was on her way, she hit three parked cars. Why? Because she was impaired by a medication that had been prescribed by her doctor. Holiness, I, I write this, is not a duty, but the proof that love has captured my heart and the privilege, it's the privilege of those who have met him. It's holiness. It's not a duty. It's proof that love has gripped me. Why? Because I want to live like him. I want to live for him. I don't want to live like the culture. I want to live like a bride in waiting for their lover. I want to live like one longing to see the one who gave their life for me. The second characteristic we talked about was righteousness. He who works righteousness. The one who lives from this place of their right standing with the Lord. Not living from my standing in earth society, but from my standing in heaven toward earth, not from my standing on earth toward heaven. It's totally different. Who lives with justice and rightness as the bedrock of who they are. The third one is he who speaks the truth in his heart. This is where we, uh, I kind of skipped over a couple of weeks ago, and, and I don't want to. Speaking the new living, speaking the truth from sincere heart. Let me see what the passion says. It says, they are passionate and wholehearted, always sincere, and always speaking the truth. For their hearts are trustworthy. How many of us can legitimately say that in everything we have a trustworthy heart? I'm not asking whether we would like to, but no matter who's around us, no matter who we deal with, that we've allowed the Lord to affect us to such a degree that we have a trustworthy heart in every circumstance and in every situation we encounter. That's my desire. I don't know if I've reached that place. But I know I'm a lot further than when I began 23 and a half years ago. I've walked through so many different scenarios and so many different broken and hurt places and victories and failures and all of these things. And every one of them was to bring me to this place that 
I can begin to live and look like Christ. I can walk in integrity, have this trustworthy heart that I'm trustworthy in every situation. Not just the ones that I like, even the ones that I do not like. I'm trustworthy. He speaks the truth in his heart. The heart is the inner man. It's the mind, the will, the soul. It's everything about me. It's the place of the seat of my appetites. Can I speak the truth even when the appetites of my life begin to rage? When I want to fulfill them, can I still speak truth even if it will deny me that? The seed of the emotions, the passion, the seed of courage. Uh, I have a couple of scripture additions and references here, but I, I don't. Zechariah 8, 16 and 17. Ephesians 425 and Psalm 12.2. Maybe I can jump over to Zechariah real quickly. I don't want to lose. I'm, I know I'm almost out of time for this week. And so Zechariah 8.16 and 17. He writes, these are the things you shall do. Speak each man the truth to his neighbor. Give judgment in your gates for truth, justice, and and peace. Let none of you think evil in your heart against your neighbor and do not love a false oath for all these are things that I hate says the Lord. Ah. We, we are in a time in our society where you look around and there's so many blatant lies and mistruths, half-truths and if I can be honest, a half-truth is a whole lie. Any place where I attempt to mislead another by not giving them the whole story is a lie, and the Lord hates it. You know, I remember years ago when I was a young believer, I can remember the day that this changed for me, especially as it pertained to counseling. I remember being, I remember sitting in my pastor's office and be, because I dealt with self-pity and rejection issues and low self-esteem throughout my life from being rejected by those whom were supposed to protect and cover me and love me and people that I needed, etc. You would go into counseling with people you know, for whatever whatever reason it may be, you know, pastoral counseling. And you're going there to find and seek answers. But when you're living from that place as I was, you go there and sometimes you only give half the truth. You don't tell the whole story. Why? Because you don't want to make yourself look bad necessarily. But this is what I learned one day. I, I, I will never forget the day. It was an evening in the middle of the week, and, and I, I believe it was on the Wednesday night where we had service. And it was just after service had ended. And I went in, and I was talking about a particular issue that 
really, I needed to walk out of it. I just needed to, but I, I didn't know, know how because, again, I'm dealing with all of these low self-esteem, rejection, and on and on and on and whatever. And I began to tell him this story that I, I just wanted his counsel over. But I didn't tell him the entire story. I didn't mislead him necessarily. Even though not giving the whole story is misleading from the standpoint that you're going to receive counsel. Unless the Lord speaks to that pastor or that leader or whoever it may be and reveals to them the entire story or more than what you're giving. It is a, a, a misleading to a degree. I wasn't speaking the truth from my whole heart. I only gave a portion of the story and left out the portion that may or I felt might have made me look bad. Why would I do that? Why would any of us do that? Because oftentimes when you've been hurt, rejected, refused by the ones that are called to love you the most, you fear that the one that you are sitting before that you love deeply may not love you if they know the truth about you. And the truth is, is that if you or I are in a relationship where someone cannot love me, if they see who I really am now, now granted, I understand that there are exceptions to those rules where people who, who are criminal in nature, behind the scenes and we may not know it people who may be you know doing things that i mean of our heinous nature that really need uh they may need to be have the police called on them they intervention i i understand that there are certain things against but the normal everyday situations everyday life if i'm in a relationship with someone who i feel if they saw me the real me that I might be nervous about and they can't love me, then maybe the relationship needs to be questioned and I need to look at it again. Maybe it's the wrong relationship for me. And in that hour, my pastor wanted to love me. He had shown me so much how he loved me. But I feared that if he just saw this as if he didn't know that there these there were certain negative things about my life. He already knew that. But I still wasn't over myself. And he began to counsel me based on what I had given him. But it wasn't really full. And I was like, whoa, whoa, no, 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 no. And at that moment, I realized that if I didn't give him the whole story, I was misleading him. And I was setting myself up to receive poor counsel, not the entire truth that I needed and the freedom that I was longing for. He who speaks the truth, my seat of appetites of covering were greater at that moment than me allowing the truth to come forth. He who speaks the truth in every situation, the trustworthy one. It's the idea, and, and we'll close with, with this one, number three, and then we'll pick up next week with number four. I pray with these podcasts, you're patient. I believe that as a body, 
of Christ, people who are listening may not be believers in Christ. They may know him, but we need every ounce of the word and to fully understand that we can live for him and not for the culture of our day. He who speaks the truth in his heart is the idea of having a pure heart. Not saying one thing with your mouth, but having another intention altogether. Oh, how we know this. We've had it done to us, but many of us have done it ourselves. We say the thing we think the person wants to hear, or we say this, this one thing knowing it will allow us entrance or to get in, but we really have ulterior motives. He who speaks the truth in his heart. You don't lie to yourself, nor do you lie to the other individual in front of you. Purity of heart. I'm not saying one thing, but I have another intention altogether. What I say is what I mean. That is the life he's looking for. Purity in heart. If it's no, it's no. I say yes, and I'm just saying yes because I like you, but I really don't want to do it. As opposed to, no, you know what? No, that, that's not going to work for me. I'm not going to do that. No, thank you. No, no, we, we will say yes because I want you to still like me. I don't want to disappoint you because if I disappoint you, maybe you'll be disappointed in me and you won't like me. No, I, I'll, you know, we, we, as a pastor and a leader for the number of years that I've been, sadly, I've had people who have come to me and they'll say one thing to me, but the reason they're saying it is because they simply want to have favor and to try to use me to get to something else that's not a pure heart i'll close with this jesus said this in matthew 5 37 but let your yes be yes and your no no for whatever is more than these is from the evil one Let your words be true. Mean exactly what you say. He says, because anything else, the devil is operating in your life. How often? We'll get to, there's another point down here that will go along with another characteristic. And it's a, a person who will swear to their own hurt and change not. You say one thing that you'll do and all of a sudden something happens. You got busier than normal and you don't really feel like doing it anymore. It becomes more difficult, but you gave your word. In our culture, too often today, that if we simply don't feel like doing it anymore or it's become a little more inconvenient than it was before, we just say, oh, we won't do it. We but he says, I want you to swear to your own hurt. You gave your word. In my house, everyone knows there are three answers that I give 
Yes, no, or maybe, possibly. My children have come to the place, all of them, including my two-year-old, <laughs> who will be three next week, have come to understand that my maybe is because we have to see if all the conditions are right. They understand now that my maybe will become a yes if all the conditions are right. But I want to see and make sure that we can do it and then it will be a yes. But if those things don't work, they know it will turn to a no. Because if I tell them yes, there have been times that I'm like, oh, man, I told them I would do it. And my wife is like, you know what? They'll understand. Just don't do it. And I'm like, no, I gave them my word. I told them I would do it. So we have to we just have to do it. It is the practice. Of swearing to my own hurt. And not changing the practice. The practice of living with a heart that is trustworthy, speaking the truth from my heart. I pray that you receive something from the word of the Lord today, and I pray that he is speaking to you right now about inventory in your own life to see if you yourself have a trustworthy heart in every circumstance that you can be counted and depended upon to speak the truth in every situation and in every circumstance. Father, we love you, and we're so grateful for your goodness to, for us, and with us. Now, we ask you to have your way in our midst today. Create a people who live with a trustworthy heart. Create in us a people who will speak truth from this posture and position of love in everything that you can count on us and that everyone we encounter can count on us as well. We bless you. We honor you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, God bless you. I thank you for joining us today. You have been listening and watching Midday Meditation at the Father's Table the podcast of the Father's House Frisco and of yours truly. And I, along with my wife, am the founder and senior pastor or lead pastor, whatever you want to call it, of the Father's House located here in Frisco, Texas. Well, we bless you this Friday, and I pray that you have a tremendous weekend. Remember that Sunday is the day we set aside to worship the Lord. If you're not in the DFW area, you don't have a local church that you already attend, I encourage you to get into a house. If you don't have a local house and you live here in the DFW area, we invite you to join us. We're a house church that meets at 10 a.m. Sunday morning. We worship the King. We adore him. We love him. We take seriously the privilege that he has given us to minister to his heart in song, in worship. So we adore him and then we allow him to speak and to do what he does best and that's touch his people transform their lives so we invite you to join us but wherever you are we encourage you to get into the house of the lord to adore him to worship him to magnify him and allow him to wash you 
and change you. Amen. Well, bless you. Have a wonderful Friday, and we will see you soon. God bless you. Bye-bye.